This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following is a presentation of Treasure Island Baseball Network. Before a celebration like this. And a 2-0 pitch. He swings and hammers. Left field and deep. Open up the gates. We're going home. There are key decisions made every day throughout the organization and on the diamond. This is the show that gives you inside access to everything surrounding your favorite team. It's Inside Twins, brought to you by Continental Diamond, home of the best diamonds outside of Target Field. Here's your host of Inside Twins, Corey Provis. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Inside Twins, brought to you by Continental Diamond, home of the best diamonds outside of Target Field. We are live on a beautiful Sunday afternoon in downtown Toronto, Twins and the Blue Jays set to wrap up this weekend series. Twins hoping to snap this long nine-game losing streak here today. Final game of this series begins in just about an hour from now. It'll be Kyle Gibson for the Twins and knuckleballer, former twin R.A. Dickey, going for Toronto. I'm Corey Provis. We thank you for tuning in today. You can reach us two ways by email, InsideTwins at TwinsBaseball.com or on Twitter, Hashtag Inside Twins and our guests on the program today. Always good to chat with the interim GM of the ball club. We say good afternoon to Rob Anthony. How are you? I'm doing all right, Corey. How are well, you doing? I'm doing, and uh, it was a tough one yesterday. And uh, your reaction following uh, the 80th loss of the year and one that uh, that I think is going to be tough to, to move by and move past, but you got to play again today. We do. And yesterday was very disappointing, very frustrating. You know, there were times when it looked like, okay, we're up 5-1, to one, then they cut it to 5-3. We come right back. Plouffe hits a two-run homer, and you start feeling good about it. We're battling back. We're tacking on. We're not going to let this get away. And lo and behold, we let it get away, and now we need to put that behind us and, and be prepared to play today. I don't want to pin it just on, on one guy because, you know, there were there were a few factors, but the, the key play late in the game, the, the dive there, the attempted catch from Kepler, what do you hope a young player learns from that kind of experience, especially this hostile environment that, that he found himself in? Well, when you have a game like yesterday, uh, you go back to your hotel room and you think about a lot of things. And the more I thought about that play in that situation, it was tough for me to be mad at Max Kepler because he was trying to be aggressive. Was it ill-advised? Yes. If we were on a grass field, I'm not sure that ball gets by him, but we weren't. We were on turf, and he tried to make a play. He was trying to help us win a game, keep the lead, and you want guys to be aggressive, and I think with time he'll understand and learn. You know there's a time to be aggressive and there's a time to pull up, play it on a hop, and you stay in the game, and in the worst-case scenario, you're tied. But he didn't, but you know what? He's playing hard, and he's trying to do the right things, and he's trying to help us win games rather than trying not to lose games, and that's something that we want our players to do. So was it a mistake? Yes, but it was one of those aggressive mistakes, and you don't really want to take the aggressiveness away from a young player either. Are situations like that discussed both not just you know watching a player live it at a various minor league level, but dialogue with, with players and coaches at various points throughout the professional careers? Do they bring up scenarios like that? Yeah, absolutely, and there have been times I think it – even recently in the last few weeks when maybe Max has pulled up on balls that we thought he should have gotten to and he pulled up, played it safe, and that might have been in the back of his mind that, you know what, here's a blooper, i got to get there. It's a one-run game. 
he goes all out, he makes a decision, sells out, it doesn't work. But, you know, that's the ups and downs and the learning part of and, and part of the development. And these guys are not finished products when they get up here. We need to continue to develop them. And I like the fact that Max is back in there today as well. And not there there are so many options to play right field right now, but I like the fact that, hey, you know, let, you know, new game today, new day, you're back in there batting third against Ari Dickey. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, the other thing I thought about was last year, the word we used a lot was resilient. This team was resilient. We never let uh, a couple-game losing streak turn into a long losing streak, and that's why we hung in there. And this year has been about the exact opposite. We've let some... Uh, bad streak spiral into like we have now a nine game losing streak and those are things that we're going to have to overcome uh, when we to, to become a good team again it's hard to, to look back at the series so far and you score 15 runs in two games and yet you haven't won either of them but it kind of speaks to to the problem right now is the starting staff it's just been kind of a, a collective struggle a collective slump and so many elements of this game can be contagious and maybe we're seeing that right now with the starting staff yeah, and you know what, and I can't even pin that on. I thought Irvin Santana pitched well yesterday. He walked some guys, but part of that was because he didn't give in to some good hitters when he got behind or he missed his spots. He didn't just throw a fastball over because he didn't want to walk the guy. He he pitched like a veteran pitcher and a leader of a staff. Okay, I walked that guy. We'll get the next guy. And, you know, sometimes younger pitchers don't do that. They, they, they have the fear of the walk. They don't want to walk guys. Now I'm in trouble. I've, I've pitched myself into trouble. Irvin's got the, the confidence, the command, and the experience to be able to pitch around those things. But the other four guys in the in the rotation have to step up, and I think today's a big one. Kyle Gibson needs to step up. He's been around long enough now that he needs to step up and, and give us a good start and try and put an end to this nine-game losing streak. When you look at Gibson's good outings compared to his bad outings, and maybe the easy answer is fastball command, but, but elaborate on that. Maybe there is more to it when Gibson is off. What has troubled him the most? I think he picks at the zone. I don't think he trusts his stuff en- enough. He's got a good fastball. He's got a good slider. He's got a good changeup. But when he is constantly just trying to miss bats and trying to make the perfect pitch, and not trusting his stuff, then I think he gets in trouble. And the other thing is when we score runs, this has been like an epidemic with this club all year. We score runs and we turn around and we give runs back. And that's plagued Kyle a lot throughout the course of the season too. So we know he has good stuff. We know he's a talented pitcher, but he needs to put it together and become more consistent and be one of the leaders on this this pitching staff for us. When you hear some say that he nibbles, uh, are they right? Is that an accurate description? I believe it is because last year, the second half of the season, he started elevating some fastballs. He started doing some things with two strikes to try and strike people out. And this year, I think he's gone back to trying to throw the slider out of the zone. That works sometimes. And I don't have any problem with that, but he I, he also throws too many hittable pitches when he has two strikes, and that's that's been a problem for our entire pitching staff all year. I think we give up more 0-2 and 1-2 hits than anybody in the league. Two out runs have also hurt Gibson this season and the entire staff, for that matter. Gibson this year has allowed 60 runs, 60 earned runs, 29, 30 of them, in fact, have come with two outs. So we'll see if he can get around that here today in the final game of this series. We'll take a break, come back. A lot to get to with Rob. Transactions were made this week. Alex Wimmers is here. Jose Barrios, Tyler Duffy are back down at AAA. We'll dive into that topic and more next. Inside Twins continues live from Toronto on your home for Twins Baseball. This is the Treasure Island Baseball Network. 
Welcome back. Inside Twins continues on a bright and warm Sunday here in Toronto. Twins and the Blue Jays coming up about an hour from now. Inside Twins until the bottom of the hour. Chris has the pregame show and then game three. Gibson and Ari Dickey today. Rob, it was another busy week looking at the transactions and uh, forced to make some moves and beginning first with some starting pitchers that went down. Jose Barrios and Tyler Duffy back at AAA. How come? Well, we... Number one, Duffy had another tough start, and he did not handle things uh, the way we would like. Some things that he's done that we've talked to him about that uh, he has not been over to, been able to overcome. You know, his emotions, keeping his emotions in check and being able to forget about a pitch, forget about giving up a hit, and kind of lock back in. And that's something that we've talked to him extensively about. And we needed to make a move after he only lasted three innings and. Then we had Pat Dean, who was going to start here on Friday. We knew we had to have somebody backing him up because it's this is a tough place for anyone to pitch, but now you're bringing in a left-hander uh, who's inexperienced. So we, we're going to bring Albers in to flip-flop with Duffy. And then after Barrios's performance, it just looked like both those guys, their confidence was shot. And I know fans would rather see some young guys that are going to be part of the future, and that's kind of our philosophy as well, try and give them experience. But it, it, get, there, it gets to a point where when somebody's confidence is so far down, you don't want them to be beat downwards. It's a bigger process to try and get their confidence back. So we thought it was the right thing to send Duffy and Brios down, get them a start or two in a race in AAA, let them try and get back on track. And we brought up uh, Alex Wimmers to pitch out of the pen, so we had another guy who could give us one or two innings out of the pen, and, and we're at back at 13 pitchers. But the way our starters have been going, we need the extra man in the pen. And to your point about the, the performances from some of the young arms who you hope and relying on that these guys will be key components for a long, long time, you know, Paul made this point, too, the other day, that it's not fair to the rest of the team. Right. That if a guy's out there and he's giving up five or six runs and say, all right, just let him learn, well, then his teammates are going to be like, hey, we got to do this again. We're down 5 6 nothing in the first or second inning. It can be very demoralizing. We have a young team of position players as well as pitchers. So if the young player can come up here, hold his own, and kind of do, that's fine if mistakes are made and you're going to have some tough games and stuff. But if they're able to hold their own, contribute, and you can see progress being made, we can we can handle that, especially in the situation we're in. But when somebody's really struggling and when they're going to start or they're going to play and you're looking at backup plans because you just don't have much confidence that they're going to be able to give you innings and your bullpen starts to get beat up, you have to think of the rest of the team and, and as a whole and you have to make some moves. I want to get back to Jose Barrios. We do have to step aside for another break. Inside Twins brought to you by Continental Diamond, home of the best diamonds outside of Target Field, and we will continue live from Toronto next on your home for Twins Baseball. Welcome back. Inside Twins continues from Rogers Center. Corey Provis alongside Rob Anthony. Inside Twins is brought to you by Continental Diamond, home of the best diamonds outside of Target Field. Rob, getting back to Jose Barrios, so much was made about the extra bullpen sessions he was doing with, with Burt watching and Irvin and Neil and Eddie and Paul, of course, and they were getting into his mechanics and things that he needed to change. Were, were things missed along the way, the amount of stuff that he's been, been been forced and, and trying to, to fix and change. Is that odd for a guy to be that drastic and make all those moves and try to mix up things at this level? I think that it depends on the uh, the person that you're dealing with and the player. And I think when it comes to a, a pitcher like Barrios, I think he can be inundated with too much information. 
he was trying to do so many different things. He had so many different voices telling him this and that, and it can be overwhelming for him. And, you know, I talked to Paul after the game when he suggested that he wanted to send Barrios out, and I said, Paul, what's changed since the last time we talked after his last start? And you said he wanted to keep him, keep working on things, and he said he's not able to take what we've worked on into the game and make those changes. As soon as he gets out there, things speed up, and he falls back into the same the same uh, problems that he's had before and reverts to those things. So I think he needs to take some of that information, go down and try and, and, and put it into game form. Where does that leave you with September, with both him, with both even Tyler Duffy, who was also sent out? Uh, we told both of them that there's no guarantees. Go down there and pitch, and we'll evaluate where you're at. Uh, when the season's over down there in, in AAA, they both have to be down there for 10 days, which basically takes them to about the end of the Rochester regular season and if they get into postseason i'm thinking we'll leave them right there because that would be a good experience for them to pitch in in playoff pressure down there because there is still pressure because you have your teammates everybody counting on you and they're they're big games as well uh, there haven't been many bright spots this weekend but one that stands out to me was the eighth inning on friday night where alex wimmers made his big league debut he worked a scoreless inning uh, struck out a couple guys and and a guy that i'm sure you've known a long time that uh, has gone through some things mentally, physically, but finally broke through the other night. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't have been happier for him. He's a really good guy, and he was a first-round pick, and with that comes a lot of pressure, and here he is in his seventh season with the organization, and he finally got up here, and he went out, and he he had a clean inning, and and I know he was relieved to get that uh, behind him, but he was also so excited. You could tell his first warm-up pitch, he bounced it, and I said, "This, (laughs) this guy's scared to death right now. He's nervous as can be, but... He did a nice job. He threw it over and, and used his pitches, and, and uh, so I was happy for him. Was he ever close to retiring and just saying it, it's it's never going to happen? I don't think so, and you know what? I think uh, some people thought when he went through the Tommy John and he went through some things where, you know, it, it really looked bleak for him. It just, you know, is this guy ever going to come around? And I think he showed a lot more mental toughness than maybe even he thought he had, and he overcame that, and it made him a better pitcher. And this year he started out in double-A, went up to triple-A, and I think he really started to gain more confidence in his fastball, and he used his breaking ball more. He's always had a really good changeup, uh, and sometimes he got too reliant on that. And now I think he has confidence in three pitches, and he's thrown enough strikes that he has more confidence and belief in himself. As we kind of get set for the uh, final game of this series today, Joe Maurer is back in the lineup today, his second straight start. His legs, uh, anything to be concerned about as he missed some time this week? No, I think it's some things that Joe's always kind of battled. He's always had a little bit of a quad thing that sometimes develops, and, and you know, it, it's not pretty. It's, it, it's a legit injury, but it's also something that with a little bit of time off, he's able to manage it. He works hard. He does a lot of things in the training room to prepare himself to get back on the field. He does not like to be out of the lineup. And this is one of the times when Joe just said, listen, I'm playing through this. I'm, I'm ready to go. Just put me back in and... I don't think he's 100%, but he's he's not going to hurt himself anymore, and he wants to play. Now that Jorge Polanco is seeing more and more time at short, he's back out there again today. Has your, I guess, uh, you know, view of him, your scouting report, changed at all based on the amount of reps that Polanco has now seen at short? I think you see the good and the bad that we've always seen with him at short. He'll make a really good play. He'll show range, especially to his left up the middle. And then on Friday night, he fielded a ball. He had position. He, he was in position. He All he had to make do was make a good throw. He saw the runner was running hard. He hurried his throw. He bounces at a ploof. All of a sudden, instead of giving up one run in that inning, we give up five. So that's a youthful mistake, he, and that's where sometimes the game gets fast, and sometimes he, 
a young player will put too much pressure on themselves and make the game harder than it has to be. And I'm glad you brought up Trevor because his swing right now looks as good as it has all season long, maybe before that first injury he suffered in late April. But, you know, the last 11, 12 games, he's driving the ball, he's homering, he's pulling it, he's driving it to right, hit the home run to right yesterday. Uh, would you agree that this is as good as he's looked offensively in months? Yeah, and you know what? Every time he's gotten really on a roll and looks comfortable, and he, I mean, I would say he was almost carrying the team when he had his first injury, and so it's been a, such a frustrating year for him. He's had two different injuries, uh, the last one with the, the cracked rib, and, and it sets you back. Then you got to get your timing back. You're out long enough that, uh, you know, you got to try and get back into a groove, and it's just been a very frustrating year with the, the injuries for him. And Trevor's back at third. Miguel, so no DHing and still no third. Paul hinted yesterday there was a chance he could play some third today. Is the elbow still, you know, barking at him a little bit here? I think the I think the the thought process might be more a matter of we got Gibson, the ground ball pitcher, and you know, with Trevor, he doesn't have maybe the range that some other third basemen have. But what he feels, he's gonna he's gonna make the play, he's gonna make the throw, he's gonna get the out. And right now we need to stabilize and kind of settle the infield down a little bit. And so, putting Trevor over at third, I think Paul feels like he's you know there's a good chance of ground balls and we're gonna get outs out of those balls. With September on the horizon, last question before our last break, would you like to see those Sano get more reps at third base to get him out there regularly at third? Yeah, I think and I think he will, and I think. It's a situation now where he said, you can put me out there whenever you want. I'm fine, you know. Um, he, he's done done the right things, and I don't think the elbow's really bothering him all that much, and it's not a situation where we've done all the tests. It's not any structural thing or anything else. He might have just thrown maybe more than he had in the past, and it got a little bit of tendonitis, but I think he's fine. Right, we'll take our last break, come back, and wrap up Inside Twins live from Toronto next on your home for Twins Baseball. You're listening to the Treasure Island Baseball Network. Welcome back. Inside Twins wraps up. Last two minutes here with Rob Anthony. I'm Corey Provis. Inside Twins brought to you by Continental Diamond, home of the best diamonds outside of Target Field. It's a busy few days, isn't it, Rob, until you get to September 1. Uh, the Blue Jays made a trade. They acquired Deanna Navarro from the White Sox, a catcher. So this is a pretty active time until you get to September these next few days, right? It is, but, it, you know, there has to be the right combination, and, and I'm not sure that we'll make any deals. Um, the, the players maybe that, that we might have been able to move were not able to move due to the waiver process and everything else, so I'm not sure we're going to be all that active in the next few days. The way that the system is set up now, is it easy for playoff teams to block one another? There's so many more teams that believe and feel like they're in the race, and so there are there's a couple teams in particular who have blocked and, and really uh, stalled a lot of things out, to be honest with you. So you see that stuff. How, how do you see that? Is that on a, a computer screen? Or do, you, do, you, do you see it on paper? How do, you, how do you see all the possible deals that are out there? Well, when, what happens is you send a player through trade waivers, and it's, it's a matter, you know, whether you're going to trade them or not. Everybody sends almost all their players through waivers. And when the same team has the right to uh, try and trade for your player, and they never, ever even call to discuss it. You know, they're just calling the block. And there was one team in particular that has claimed many, many of our players. Interesting. All right, uh, enjoy the game today. Hey, we had a great time last night. Sponsors in town. We had a, we had a real nice dinner last night. Oh, unbelievable. Laura Day and 
And uh, that corporate sponsor group from the Twins really did a nice job. It was well organized, and, and we had some great uh, great sponsors. I right, enjoy the game today. I'll see you on the plane. Absolutely. All right, Rob Anthony joining us here. We thank him for his time. Inside Twins brought to you by Continental Diamond. We thank you for tuning in. Game three of this series coming up. It should be a packed house per usual here in Toronto. Kyle Gibson, 5-8 and eight for the Twins, and R.A. Dickey, 9-13, and 13, opposing for the Blue Jays. Toronto in first place atop the East, 73-46. and 46. The Twins, meanwhile, trying to stop this nine-game slide at 49-80. and 80. Stay tuned. Chris is standing by. Today's pregame show is coming up momentarily, and then we'll have game three from Toronto. We thank you for tuning in. Don't go anywhere. We'll have more coming up on the Treasure Island Baseball Network right here on your home for Minnesota Twins Baseball. You've been listening to Inside Twins, brought to you by Continental Diamonds, home of the best diamonds outside of Target Field. This has been a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.